0: and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know, and he said to me, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes.
1: Lord God, on this uh, day where we celebrate all saints, when we get to celebrate baptism, I pray that you would hold before us the vision of the beginning and the end, the beginning of this faith journey of those being baptized into your body, but also the vision, Lord, of Revelation 7 of where you are taking us where you are taking us to worship you before your throne, always and forever, and that we will be comforted by you, our heavenly lamb, our heavenly shepherd, Lord Jesus, and it is in your name we pray, amen. My name is Chris Myers, I'm one of the the priests here. Welcome to St. Bart's. As Dave mentioned, um, this is the eighth anniversary, this week marks the eighth anniversary of weekly worship at St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church. Um, Some of you have been here from the very beginning, Um, And it's an incredible thing uh, because I say this on this anniversary all the time, most church plants don't make it. It's just the cost of doing business of trying to start new things. Um, Most church plants don't make it. And here we are eight years in. Um, And that is an amazing testament to God and what he's doing through us as a community here in East Dallas. And I love marking that anniversary with All Saints Day because All Saints Day, really on November 1st, but we're celebrating it today, is this reminder of all those who have gone before, all those who have been faithful, all those who have said yes to Jesus throughout history and make and mark an unbroken chain of faithful witness in all times, in all places, and in all circumstances, that Jesus is the Lord of history. And that's the vision of Revelation chapter seven before us. and I. I want us, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would make that vision uh, tangible to us. That that's our hope. That even now, those saints who have gone before are before the throne of God. And they are worshiping him. And their suffering and strife is complete and their victory is won. And then they are spurring us on and calling us to that place as well. That's the great cloud of witnesses that the writer of the Hebrews talks about. And I think especially when we think about the circumstances of our own lives or the place we find ourselves in a moment of history where things feel bleak, things feel pretty dark, things feel right on the edge. With wars all over the world and a coming election year, I know many of us are bracing for what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen to our country? What's, What's gonna happen? There's this moment early on in the Lord of the Rings where Frodo has basically come to understand some little piece of what this ring is that he has and how the evil that it has wrought over many thousands of years. And Gandalf is giving him a sense of what is coming for him. And Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And Gandalf responds to him and says, so do I, And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. There is wisdom in that. We don't choose the times we live in. We don't choose the problems of our age. And yet this is the time that God has called us to live as individuals and as a community. And that's why I love All Saints Day because it again reminds us that there is a countless multitude, as John says in Revelation. You cannot number this tri- These from every tribe, tongue, and nation a countless multitude of people who have struggled, who have suffered, who have been perplexed by the times they found themselves in, but they nonetheless remained faithful. And that is why we remember those who have gone before. We hold before of those who have fought the good fight and finished the race. We don't just remember them though, we try to picture them as a way to spur us on, and this is what Revelation holds before us. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They hold palm branches as a sign of victory. They wear white robes. I dress the part. As a sign that they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's the vision. And we need that vision because it stirs hope in us and it encourages us. And it reminds us of those who have been faithful. Um, My doctoral work was focused on a particular 20th century Catholic theologian who has the wonderful name of Hans Urs von Balthasar. Sounds like a character in Harry Potter, but he was a real dude uh, who lived till 1988. And one of the, he said many things that have challenged me and enriched me, but he has this statement about saints that I think is so helpful for us. <coughs> he says this, The spirit meets the burning questions of the age with an utterance that is the key word, the answer to the riddle. This is never in the form of an abstract statement, almost always in the form of a new, concrete, supernatural mission. A new, concrete, supernatural mission. The creation of a new saint whose life is a presentation to his own age of the message that heaven is sending to it a person who is here and now the right and relevant interpretation of the gospel, who is given to this particular age as its way of approach to the perennial truth of Christ, how else can life be expounded except by living? How does the gospel become articulate in the world? Through people, through the power of the Spirit working through the individual lives of people in particular times and places. What Balthazar is saying is that God in his mercy in different times and places raises up particular people and particular communities as an answer to the perplexity and suffering of that time and that place. The life of God and the power of the spirit becomes articulate in a given time and place through the lives of God's people. Yeah, we have news to share, we have information, there's propositions to the gospel, but it only becomes meaningful and concrete through the lives of individuals. And you can think of those people in your own life, if you were sitting here, who have made the faith real to you, who have manifested the love of God to you, not as an abstraction, but in real eyes and faces and hands of love. And on the most basic level, that is what a saint is. We think about saints on these two different levels, just the reality that, that Paul talks about that all those who have the spirit are saints because we have been sanctified, we've been set apart, we've been called holy ones. But then also this truth that Balthazar talks about that these, there are these extraordinary people that the church remembers and memorialize, memorializes and calls saints because they've made the life of Christ articulate in the world in the way that they lived. And it's important for us, even just in our own lives, to have those people that we go back to, whether it's a grandmother, or an aunt, or an uncle, or a pastor, or someone even in history. Just as as an example from history, I think of John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, who met the challenge of the industrialization of England this time of uproarious change and transformation where our agrarian society becomes an industrial society and the poverty and pollution, everything that came along with that. And Wesley and those who followed him moved into the cities and they declared the gospel to the poor. And there are some historians who even say that England was spared a revolution like the one in France because of Wesley, because of the gospel becoming articulate in his life and through those who followed in his wake, I wanna talk about a particular saint who's important to me. Um, Just in my own story, and especially over the last few years as I've been doing my doctoral work, um, I did my doctoral work in Durham, England, which is in the northeast of England on the coast. And that part of the country is very special and important for the life of Christianity in England, um, what we would call the Celtic tradition. And this particular guy is named Cuthbert, Saint Cuthbert. And he lived from 634 to 687, almost 1400 years ago. But he was faithful in his time. He lived on this island called Lindisfarne, the holy island And when we uh, went over for my graduation, my family and I, and I can only put it this way, we took a pilgrimage to go to Lindisfarne. I'd I'd had it in my heart to do that for six years, and it just never happened, because it was just a day of travel to get there. Planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, we were on a boat, and me and boats don't get along, so I really wanted to go there. And we go to this island, and there are the ruins of this priory that this other saint, St. Aidan from Iona, was called to found this monastery. And Cuthbert came after him. And he, Cuthbert, would come, he would go to the islands, he would run the monastery, but then he would come back to the mainland of England and he would just walk around and he would proclaim the gospel. And he would heal people in Jesus' name. And in Durham Cathedral, which is where he's buried, you can go into the basement and you can see his coffin. And it's this beautiful hand-carved Anglo-Saxon piece of art, and barely any of that exists anymore because it's hard to preserve that stuff. And in the 1800s, they they found a compartment in the coffin, and they opened it, and they found St. Cuthbert's stole, a piece of fabric from the seventh century of him walking around in one of these, proclaiming the gospel. And they found uh, his pectoral cross, which is now the symbol of the Cathedral of Durham, and they found his portable altar because he would do open-air services. If you've seen those beautiful stone Celtic crosses, at that time, these, these men, they would go and they would do services in the open air, and he would celebrate the, the Eucharist with his portable altar. And when I was at my graduation, I'm sitting in Durham Cathedral, and I'm 30 feet away from where this guy is buried. And the reason that there's a cathedral there that's been there for 1,000 years is because this man lived in a transformative, transformative way that the life of Christ became articulate to Northeast England. And my dad, I kept talking to my dad about all this stuff while we were on this trip, and he was like, well, you know our family's from this part of the world. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. That would have been helpful to know, because I feel a kinship to this place. I feel a kinship to this person. But he's just one story. He's just one person. There's so many others. And I think we all need those people in our minds who we hold on to, that remind us that the life of Christ can become articulate to the world in dark times and dark places. You may think of someone like Bonhoeffer. I often think of someone like Bonhoeffer. In Nazi Germany, able to bear witness to the truth of Christ, even when so much of the church had been enfolded into the darkness of the Third Reich, he bore witness to the truth of God. Who are those people for you? Maybe it is a family member. Maybe it is a youth pastor. Maybe it's a young life leader. Someone who made the life of Christ articulate to you and for you. Just over the course of the week, I would encourage you to draw those people to mind and give thanks for their lives. What we'll do at communion is before we celebrate communion, we will read a list of names that you've given us of people to remember. And it's just a small, small reflection of the numerous names we could read, the multitude of names, that we're here because people were faithful. We're here because the life of Christ became articulate through individuals' lives. So in closing, I would say that we would pray that the love of Christ would become articulate through our own lives and that we would be grateful people who remember those who've gone before us. But I would also challenge you to pray that God would continue to raise up radiant and extraordinary figures who meet and answer the questions of their age. The church needs that. The world needs that. Those transformative individuals who radiate the love of Christ in, in just an intensified way. And they are gifts from God, and we pray that God would raise those people up. I pray that God would raise those people up from our midst. We're about to see two children baptized. They're going to be marked out for the life of the church. We pray for them. We pray that we would be faithful in a way that makes the gospel articulate so that they live into the promise of the vows taken on their behalf. And I pray that we would be filled with hope of this vision of God's throne room, where the saints are even now, praising him. And that when we come to the table and when we pray that prayer, holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, and we sing it with the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, those saints who've gone before us, that 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 veil would be thin for us today and that we would meet with our Lord Jesus Christ in a unique and powerful way at his table. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for those who've gone before us. We remember them even now. We draw to mind those people in our own lives who have made the faith real to us. Those whose lives was art- were articulate with the gospel, with the love of God. We thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for this place. I thank you for eight years of weekly worship. I thank you for your provision that we can bear witness in our own small way to these truths. And we pray that you would raise up these extraordinary and radiant individuals who bear witness to your love. I pray for those about to be baptized, Lord, that even as we witness those being washed in this water, buried with you in baptism, raised to new life, that we would be reminded of our own baptisms, that you've done the same for us and raised us up with you. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the lamb who shepherds us, who nourishes us, who wipes away every tear from our eyes. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.